edition of GradCast. We are coming to you from the very first Wellness Week. And as our special guest, as the special guest uh, to Western, we have the esteemed Lego grad student. Hello. Hi. Well, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Thanks oh, for excellent. asking. It's wonderful to have you here at Western with us. So uh, I'm your host today. My name is Yiman Chen. I'm joined with... Uh, Chantal. <coughs> And we know there is a lot of sort of mystery, a lot of um, uh, anonymity, a lot of just questions around who this Lego grad student is. And um, for those of you wondering, I'll, I'm going to do my best to try to describe him for you. He's uh, shockingly handsome, has uh, dark hair, um, flawless, glossy uh, complexion. Um, perpetually smiling, and um, if you can imagine, he's about two inches tall? One and a half, yeah. at best. Oh, come on. He, oh, are those heels? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but all that aside, we are very happy to have you with us. Um, Mr. Grad Student, doc, Dr. Grad Student? Technically, doctor at this point. Okay. Not sure how much that's sunk in, but sure. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. And so you just came uh, from your talk here at the Western Wellness Forum. Um, how has your time here in Canada, uh, in London, Ontario, the, the second best London in the world? Yes. How have you enjoyed it so far? Oh, it's been great. I mean, I was able to take some time touring the university yesterday, and it's a beautiful campus. Uh, hopefully everyone's able to appreciate that. And the city of London, too, I was able to explore, and it seems like a great place. I'd be happy to live here. I don't. I'd be happy to be here. <laughs> All right. And so something that uh, has been on some people's minds, um, the question, are you or well, were you an actual grad student? Yes, I was. For six years, was a grad student. Okay. Fun times. All right. And is that sort of the experience you draw upon in creating these... Uh, lego grad student images these stories vignettes it is i mean i would uh tell people that not everything that i portray is fully autobiographical and it's not like a diary of my life where things are happening instantaneously as i post them but almost every post that i've made is based at least in some way on personal experiences that i've amassed over those six glorious years in the graduate program I was um, uh, lucky enough to be able to be at your talk um, uh, earlier this morning, and one of the things that I thought was really fascinating, you talked about how you got sort of started doing this um, Lego grad student, these these images, um, or these dioramas, would you call them? Or, sure. Yeah, yeah um, these scenes, uh, and it was closely connected to, um, to some of the uh, events in, in your own it, it, like, I mean, it's, it kind of has an origin story. It was interesting for me. Can you share it with our listeners? Sure. So, I mean, I'd always been uh, big into Lego when I was a kid. But what really happened was about a year and a half ago, I had what I felt was a pretty devastating meeting with my advisor. It turned out to be okay in the end. But when I walked out of that office, I felt pretty empty and broken. And I wanted something to do with my time that wasn't work. But I had this realization that I no longer knew how to spend my time not working. 
and that led to a couple days of particularly dark, you know, <laughs> self-reflection uh, before I went back to kind of my Lego collection and buying more. And I suppose I was just trying to escape kind of my work by building what I thought were random dioramas at first, but over time, uh, the darkness of my insides came out to the outside, and I just began building somewhat unintentionally, or not consciously, um, reflections of my graduate life, and just kind of posting them online, and I started realizing that that was a, um, a rich source of inspiration for more things to just build into the future. And perhaps quite, quite a bit of a cathartic process sort of thing to... Yeah, it really was. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine what life would have been like for the last year and a half if I hadn't done this. Not necessarily because people follow and it's kind of gotten mm -hmm. um, a following that I never expected, but um, if I had gone down the same path I had before of just continuing to grind away at just trying to work and not finding some other outlet for myself to balance out my everyday life, um, I think it would have been pretty terrible. So you know, it's hard to know for sure, but there's no doubt that it's been a very positive and cathartic experience to just have this thing on the side as I've been progressing through the last uh, year or so of grad school. So speaking of, you know, the bleakness of life and grad life in particular, uh, have you ever been accused of being pessimistic or, or depressing or just nihilistic even? Um, maybe to some extent, not very explicitly. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that does happen is every once in a while, people who really do think I'm just portraying my life as a diary will be concerned that I'm posting things that are, you know, dark on purpose when I'm making them, but they think I'm living a life that kind of tracks this and they get very worried. Um, I have had a couple people kind of mention that, oh, this seems a little too depressing. I don't know if this is the best way to go about it. And on one level, I understand where they're coming from, particularly if they're not familiar with what exactly I'm doing. But the, the philosophy that I'm taking is that I think it's much more healthy to um, just be frank and open about the, the experiences we have. And I'm not trying to make it purposefully depressing just for the sake of depression, but just trying to make it clear that uh, I don't think all of us kind of suffer these indignities by ourselves. And that's really the, the goal. And it happens if it happens to be nihilistic to people, then um, you know, let me know, but that's where I'm coming from personally. Do you think um, there's something about grad school life and the experience that um, pushes people towards a sort of black humor? I'm thinking of uh, PhD comics, for example, where mm -hmm. a lot of the storylines, um, similar like, like yours, uh, deal with grad students just having terrible things happen to them yeah. and, and suffering the after effects of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose dark humor can come about in any particular place, but I do think that sort of the nature of grad school, and as I mentioned in my own talk earlier today, that you attract these people that really identify as students that kind of believe that that's what they are and take a great amount of pride in academia, um, ending up in a place that severely challenges, if not sort of shatters their own self-image about being an academic. I think something about that and living through the everyday experiences of those things that kind of chip away at your identity um, might just kind of trigger dark humor in people and just exploring like how distant it is between how you used to think about yourself versus what you're actually experiencing. Um, and I, yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm not exactly sure why dark humor is the, the way it goes, but I think for some reason it just makes sense. 
maybe as uh, some sort of coping mechanism. And sure. like you said in your in your talk, and like you mentioned just now, some important um, sort of words that you can hear as a grad student are, are me too or, yeah. or me neither, right? Yes. So as a way to share in the experience that, you know, to feel less alienated, I guess, right? Not ev everyone uh, is going through similar experiences, maybe similar expo uh, emotions, maybe have suffered similar letdowns. And, you know, maybe that's okay to share it with other people. Absolutely. I mean, when I started doing this, um, I did not mean to have any clearer message or goal. I was just portraying my life publicly. And I think a lot of where some of the, the following might have come from was um, people who didn't feel like they could be open about some of these experiences they were having, just kind of suffering them alone and very much feeling that they were the only ones going through it, uh, suddenly saw this kind of, um, you know, nameless, quote unquote, nameless person expressing these same things. And I think there's a lot of catharsis to that feeling of being less alone. And I was lucky enough in my own department that I think people tended to be very open about their insecurities, which, and even in that case, it was it was tough enough as it was. So when there's students out there who think that they're just sort of on an island where they're suffering on their own and no one else understands them, I think there's a lot uh, that they gain from just seeing something that even partially captures what they might be going through. There was, um, when you were speaking this morning, um, when you were talking about the, the challenges, some of the challenges that we face in, in grad school and, and the distinct difference between what grad school sort of is like for the student who had been good at everything sort of growing up and it's, it becomes something that you didn't expect it to be. I felt like there was something about that that really resonated for me, um, the challenge of, you know, being, being in my 30s, mm -hmm and still doing the same thing I was doing yeah. when I was in my early 20s, yeah. while the rest of the world moves yes. beyond. There's something really tough about that. Now, I know I'm not doing the same thing I yeah. was doing, you know, but, but in a way I am, right? Yeah. Like, sure. And I, we see a little bit of that come out in, in the, uh, some of what LEGO grad student sort of is experiencing, right? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, a lot of what you're doing is different from what you used to be doing. And the kind of work you're doing and the potential impact it could have is fundamentally at a different level than what you did in the past. Right. But the problem it's is... It's on paper. Yeah, it's, it's on paper, right? Mm -hmm. But like the, the trappings, what, what people see, especially from the outside, mm -hmm. and even what you feel on a very everyday basis, right? If the big picture, big things are happening, but you know, you're still going to class, you're still doing assignments, um, while other people have seemed to like be moving on with life, doing new things. And it's, as, particularly as you go into these later years, I think hard to remind yourself that you are doing something different when so much of it does feel and look the same, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so another part of your talk today was giving some ad ad advice to dealing with that that feeling or dealing with the feeling of imposter syndrome or yeah. dealing with um, the tensions that you experience in grad in grad school. And can you share some of that with our, our listeners as well? Sure. I mean, there are, there's quite a pl few places I can go. But um, I think one of the things that I really wanted to point out, and this is out of order of what I presented in the mm -hmm. presentation, but one thing that I think was super important was um, sticking together with other people. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much about the graduate experience, particularly in the, the later years when you're just working on your dissertation where it just feels super alone. Um, and I think those are the moments where it's 
especially important to realize that you're suffering in very similar ways, despite how individual like your particular projects are and making sure that you're open with one another to like pull yourself, pull each other out of holes that you've kind of fallen into. Uh, Cause it's very easy to fall into little, little ditches and totally. then just sit there if no one's around. Um, and you know, things that sound obvious, but like trying to sustain your own sense of confidence, which continues to get buffeted throughout grad school. But just mm. how important it is to both try to value whatever positive reinforcement you get, but to try to contextualize some of the more like negative or critical stuff that you confront, mm. some of which might not be fair, but others are. But it's important for you to be able to understand the difference between the two. And mm. a lot of that comes from you having at least some base belief in yourself or your own work, mm. which is hard, but I think that's why it's worth emphasizing because it's easy to forget completely. So as a project, um, what sort of place does a LEGO grad student have in your own life, especially now as you're transitioning you know, out of grad school? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been ever evolving. Uh, as I said, when I started, it was just meant for myself and I was posting it on my own Facebook. Uh, so over the months, as people started following, um, I've done my best to continue to f act or pretend that it's just something I do for myself because I don't want to start feeling a secondary source of pressure in my life from other people like expecting something. Um, but it's it's grown. Its presence has grown in my life. 80% uh, of it because I want it to. Maybe 20% mm. is sort of like, uh oh, I'm starting to lose control of this thing that um, has taken on a life of its own. Um, but kind of in the immediate future, since I've graduated, you know, people have asked whether or not LEGO grad students going to, you know, change or evolve. And for the time being, I would say the answer is probably not uh, because there's still other things to explore with LEGO grad student and even a lot of like assistant and associate professors who comment on social media often say, yeah, it's still kind of the same. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is not the greatest thing to hear but you know thanks for being honest um and fundamentally even though i'm working on a postdoc i don't think um i have enough necessarily experiences like unique ones to do something new yet uh it might happen in the near future but there's no explicit goals and the one thing i'll just make clear is really there's no grand plan in any of what i'm doing <laughs> it's just kind of just going with the flow and then things happen and just like incorporating it or not. Um, so I'm not being coy. I have no concrete plans. Do you, ever, do you ever get requests from people for certain like, uh, like, you know, submissions sent in to be like, hey, try this scene out, you know? Or... Yeah. I mean, sometimes people have asked that, especially for people who um, have like more lab experiences, right? Oh, okay, who okay, want more yeah. of that. And I mean, because I'm from the social sciences, I, I don't. Mm. Um, and people will send those and every once in a while I'll try to incorporate them. I haven't started up a system where I like ask for people's suggestions, but the one thing I have realized from occasionally doing it, even with personal friends just around me who give me suggestions is that um, when it's not something I can personally relate with, it doesn't feel the same as I like build it or try to caption it. For sure. And people don't know that, but I, you, you can tell from reactions that whether they know it or not, like it's not quite the same. Like, yeah. It's just not capturing something the same way. Mm -hmm. So as much as I, I do appreciate and like love it when people have contributions, I, I feel bad because I it's very limited in how much I can take because I've, I've learned over time mm -hmm. that unless it really resonates with me, I can't give it the full 
kind of treatment it deserves. For sure. I think that's, that, that's actually what comes across so um, uh, so well in some of these, um, for me, is, yeah. is, is the authenticity in them makes them more relate like so relatable right like yeah. I like I see the moment and I think and it's so ca- well captured that I'm like yeah I know I've been there I know what you're talking about because yeah. you, you know yeah no I mean it's like not everything I portray happened exactly the way it did there's some mm-hmm. exaggeration right yeah. of, I mean like, that's art right yeah. yeah sure exactly <laughs> but yeah what I just learned is that basic kernel has to be there and it has to be something I understand and I think like I said people sense that, whether or not they're aware of what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that people are able to sense that and that it resonates in that way. So I think uh, one question on a lot of grad students' minds is sort of how much of your life is, is taken up with a, with a Lego grad student? I mean, you started this project in basically the, like, the last year yeah. of, of your graduate work. How do you balance you know, that part of your life with you as a student, with you as a, you know, living, breathing, social individual? Yeah, I mean, there's at least a, a couple points to be made there. On one level, I think it's actually, it's helped kind of going back to that idea of having balance in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because despite the fact that, um, you know, especially in the beginning stages, it drew away maybe an hour or two a day maximum. Um, in the past, I might have thought, oh, that's a waste of time. Like, that's time I could spend working. But what I really realized in those early stages is that the time I, I was spending working became better because I'd given myself an opportunity to completely detach. And maybe even the psychological effects of being able to express myself that way um, helped a lot. So on that level, I think it's been it's been good. That said, it has been an ever-increasing presence in my life. Right, especially when it was like a personal thing, I would spend an hour or two just on my own. Um, but as more and more people, you know, follow and leave comments, and I try my best to respond or interact with people because um, I appreciate them being there, and you know, doing these kind of side projects, which are all part of my just enjoying the hobby of like doing a website or trying to raise money for charity. Um, I think I've managed it so far and my social life hasn't suffered too much for it. In some sense, maybe it's gotten more interesting because <laughs> mm. people who have known me in a very kind of casual or distant sense, like people in my building who vaguely knew who I was, like yeah. when they realize what's going on, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't like me. Maybe they just like, you know, what I'm doing, but still. Um, so there's always some tension where I'm a little worried, like maybe this will get out of hand. But so far, I think I've been able to manage it and harness it as something that's still overall adding um, to my life. But like I said, you never know wow. with this. So can you tell us a little bit about the process that goes into creating the Lego grad student? I mean, without necessarily giving away any trade secrets or anything, <laughs> what is sort of uh, the work that goes into it? Yeah, I, I mean, there's no trade secrets. Uh, I'll just lay it out. I mean, what usually happens, especially these days, is I'll spend a couple days thinking, uh, I'm done. I have no more ideas left. It's over. Uh, I've tapped myself out. Uh, that was a good run. But then <laughs> eventually, for some reason, I don't know why, I'll usually come up with some idea, and it's not always necessarily concrete in my mind, but just some mood or feeling. And I, I think that's where like having a kernel that you can you know, attach yourself to is so important because it's not something I can yet um, put out in words, but it's just something I sense. Mm. Um, or it'll be a moment that I experience that reminds me of something. And then... I'll really just kind of go to my table and start playing, playing around. It really is <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, people ask me sometimes, like, are you 
do you plan them out ahead? Like, do you like have some schematic that you've designed before you build? And I don't. I mean, sometimes I have a much more concrete idea of what I want to build. Other times I'm just sort of sitting there and tinkering around and then I come up with something. So it's like imminent, right? Like as yeah. you're tinkering, the ideas form together and you're like, yeah. oh, that's what that's what it was, right? Yeah, like, okay. exactly, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it's even just like, oh, you know, I've been using this color in the background too much, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll design something with another color. Yeah. So like all aesthetics sorts of, key. Yeah, yeah, the aesthetics, <laughs> right? The overall aesthetics. So a lot of things play into it, but none of it is very well orchestrated. So I'll just sit there, kind of play around. Eventually I'll realize what it is that I sort of want built. But even at that point, I don't necessarily know like what the, the shot will be that I want. So I often build more than I need to because I don't know like what the final plan is. Right. Um, and then once it's sort of built, sometimes I'll tear apart a lot of it when I realize I want this shot and it's not going to work the way I built it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times I'll just have it uh, even then start tinkering with the pieces because I'm still not sure exactly where they're going the blocking, I guess, mm-hmm. right? I think that's what you call it. I'm not a yeah. computer. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then then it's like another 30 minutes to an hour sometimes where I'm just messing with my camera trying to figure out. I mean, I'm not a professional photographer, so I'm just playing around to figure out what works. And sometimes I'll take countless shots just to make it work because I don't know how to do it the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I'll just have the image and then, Usually by that point, I'll have spent several hours with it and I'll have kind of mulled over the feelings I was having and approach some sort of caption. And then I'll spend some time just messing around with individual like words, figuring out the best way to try to capture what I feel. Uh, and usually I manage to get most of it, but some of it I think is just a gut instinct that I can't quite translate, but hopefully people would understand mm-hmm. through the text and the image. I was going to ask about your photography though because yeah. some of the, those shots are absolutely beautifully shot and composed Thanks. are you, you just dabble in photography is that a hobby for you i've never done photography before i mean the before uh so up until like december of last year i was using a glorified point and shoot camera okay that i had gotten through research funds and i, I had used it for research okay. for, for <laughs> course, research, right. like a couple years ago yeah but it was like not that great of a camera but good enough you know to not be a smartphone Right. And that's better than a smartphone. So I was just truly had no idea what I was doing. It had no like there's no manual focus or anything. So it's just a, like take 100 pictures and hopefully one of them mm-hmm. works out. And then I finally got like a cheap DSLR um, and I've tried to learn how to use it. But I still know if a real photographer saw what I was doing, they would probably be upset with like my lack of efficiency or understanding. Um, but it's all been very much like on the fly. And not to try to pat myself on the back, but every once in a while I get shots where I was like, how did I manage like, to do that? Yeah. Right? I guess if you do 100 shots, one of them comes out pretty well. Um, and every once in a while, there'll be kind of shots that I want that I'll aspire to get. Like there's one where he's like wandering around alone outside where I really wanted like the, the lit up restaurant inside and him standing out in the darkness. And that yeah. took forever. Like mm. that was not easy because I didn't know what I was doing. That was exactly the one I had in mind. Thanks. When I was talking, I was. About I'm that. still. That's still one of my favorite shots, and I honestly couldn't tell you that I could recreate it if you gave me money to try. Yeah. All right. Well, as, as a, I assume, um, expert in Lego, if 
any of our other grad students were interested in getting into Lego as mm -hmm. perhaps a hobby or as perhaps a competition for you. Are there any specific sets, anything you would recommend for <laughs> the beginning Lego enthusiast? Oh, that's, that's tough. I mean, because I have my own personal taste where my, my background when I was playing with kind of Lego was I had a lot of just basic pieces, right? And Lego has changed a lot since I played with them as a kid. They have a mm. lot more franchise sets and much kind of more complex pieces. But my personal um, recommendation, just for myself, is that, um, well, actually, no matter what, I would stick with something between like the 20 to $40 range. I think that's more than enough for someone who wants to just start dabbling to have enough pieces to take a, a bit of time to build something, but also enough raw material to make something different. You know, if it's like a tiny $8 piece with like 20 pieces, that's not going to go anywhere. Um, but I don't have any specific recommendations, but if you want like the most just raw materials to work with, I think some of the, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Lego. So they're <laughs> right. yeah. like, right. yeah, they don't endorse any of this. This is just my own personal yeah. um, proclivities. But there's like these three-in-one creator sets that have instructions to build three different things using the same set of pieces. So even on that level, you just got kind of triple the amount of play. But they're also, because they're designed to be that diverse, um, that it's a lot of good material to just mess around with, mm. right? But if you would prefer to just have like a more straightforward, I want to create, you know, um, some branded thing that's already out there, you know, Marvel or whatever else it is, then there's, you know, 20 to 40, $40 sets there where you could build a model and just kind of display it and it'd be something people would enjoy even if you didn't want to you know go into trying to build new things yourself one of the things that i felt like it, you talked a little bit in your talk about was the was you started building sets as you know when you um after that after that uh you know um f famous meeting that you yeah. had you know yeah. um but that it was really when you started breaking those sets down and doing the creative process right yeah. that the things really started to that it started to be a thing that you did really right yeah um and it's not so ma much maybe about the the lego itself that's a medium that works for you yes but there's opportunities for lots of other things like yoga didn't work yes yeah it did not work absolutely not uh, but of course for many others it does and more power to you but mm. yeah i mean it just happened to be the thing from my my childhood that i just enjoyed that I felt some skill at to some extent. It was a lot of relearning too. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting to put those sets together with those pieces and see like new ideas for how these people making these sets came up with ways to portray this or that. And I learned a lot from that. That was my reintroduction ah, yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of adult Lego right. to some extent. Um, but then, yeah, like I had fun building it, but it happened very quickly because I'm impatient and I just wanted to make it. But really it was about just pulling it apart and having the raw materials and at that point I had way more raw materials than I ever had even mm. as a child and just being able to, to play with that back then and even now is really sort of the most fun part and what gives me sort of my my comfort and distraction from everyday life with school. Well certainly I think that you've taken it that taken the, the Lego art in uh, in really creative and profound ways for for a lot of us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us here today, uh, Dr. Lego grad student. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Happy Absolutely. to be here. This has been GradCast with Yemen and Chantel. We are a production of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest 
or join our committee, you can get in touch with us at gradcastradio uh, at gmail.com. And you can also find all of our episodes, including this one, uh, on gradcast.ca. Thanks very much, and stay blocky. Thanks. <laughs> you know what's awesome? Everything!